listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. I'm glad you're able to join us again on this episode of Let the Bible Speak. Last week we broadcast a sermon on Luke 12, dealing with the subject of warnings to churches in America today. I'm going to read uh, some verses from Luke 12 again in your hearing in this broadcast, and then we will broadcast a second part of that message. The full message can be heard on sermonaudio.com forward slash malvern. And I do hope you can go on to that webpage and listen to some of the archives from our sermon library. It is always our desire that people would hear the Word of God and benefit from it. And so let me read to you some of the words from Luke chapter 12, and I'm going to read from the verse number 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he may divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. Amen. Again, we rejoice in the word of God that speaks to our souls. In the first part of the sermon, I sought to show you that the Lord, in this opening section of Luke 12, is presenting some warnings to his disciples. In verse 12, he warns them of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. In verses 4 and following, he warns them of the fear of man. He says, be not afraid of them that kill the body. And then in verse 5, he says, but I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. These are tremendously difficult times. And it is always going to be a challenge for the people of God that they are genuine, that they are not guilty of hypocrisy. And also that they are not guilty of the fear of man, which brings a snare. And so last time we sought to uh, make that point plain that you would understand the dangers that these matters present to us today as they did to the disciples in the Lord's day. But in the message you'll hear very shortly, Christ comes on to a third warning and it is the danger of coveting. It is a tremendously relevant section for the prosperity in North America that we enjoy. It is a recognition that a love of money can damn our souls. It is the recognition that we can lose all things 
as we seek to gain those things that do not last. Then having dealt with the subject of coveting and the warnings that Christ gives to that subject, you'll, you'll hear the conclusion of the message, which in some ways summarizes the three warnings. The warnings of hypocrisy, the fear of man and coveting. And it brings those warnings to really to a head when you think about the matter of the temporal and the eternal. So I'd encourage you to listen on to the end of the program where the final application is brought to your soul and that God would indeed stir up your heart that we would we would not be those who are guilty of an idolatry of this world, but we'd be those who are preparing our souls for the world to come. And so it is my desire that you would again take heed to the word of God and benefit from it. It is my desire that the word of God would open your hearts and that you would consider the importance of your never-dying soul. It's always our burden that if you are spoken to from the Word of God, that you reach out and contact us. Uh, again, the email address for the uh, the radio broadcast is malvernfpc at yahoo.com. And it would certainly be our delight if you could uh, get in touch with us and let us know if the Lord has spoken to your soul from his Word. And so let's come to the message afresh today. We're going to hear the word of God. And as we do so, let's pray and let's ask for God's help as his word is open to us now. The eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the teaching of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We thank you for his faithfulness as our prophet and the warnings that he presents to our souls today that we guard ourselves from the danger of hypocrisy and the fear of man. And we pray that you'd help us to uh, properly understand these doctrines. Teach us in your word at this point. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. You see, the structure of this section is very interesting. Look at verse number one. Where Christ says, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees. Then verse number four, be not afraid of them that kill the body, but I shall forewarn you who ye shall fear. And then verse number, 20, or verse number 15, take heed and beware of covetousness. And so there are these three sections that all have the sense of warnings addressed to the disciples at that time. Christ is giving warnings to the churches. And as he gives the warnings, he follows up the warning with the same antidote. The same solution is given in each of the three sections. And you're going to see that, I hope. So there are these warnings to the churches. And so tonight, today's message I've entitled, Warnings for Churches in America Today. Now before you think I'm throwing stones out the window... The warnings that are given to churches in America today apply to this church also. If you're a church in America, as we are, well, then the warnings that Christ gives to others, he gives to yourselves as well. And there are three of them. And the first warning is that we must beware hypocrisy. And the Lord, he spells out the poison, and then he gives the antidote. Okay, the first warning, beware hypocrisy. What is the poison? Verse number one, he says, beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees. And he tells us what it is, which is hypocrisy. Second thing, 
Christ warns, he says, beware the fear of man. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. And so the issue at stake here is that the fear of man will do such a thing in your soul that you will not be confident to confess Christ because of the fear of death, the fear of the body being killed. If you hold to consistently biblical views as a Christian, well, we'll suffer. And there's a fear. And Christ warns the church of that fear. And you don't need to tell me, or you don't need me to tell you, that that fear still exists today. The antidote is again a view of judgment day. Verse 5. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Fear him. A right view of judgment day is the right antidote to the fear of man. It is the fear of God. Thirdly and finally, I say we're just overviewing this quickly, you have the issue of bewaring covetousness. That's verse number 15. Take heed and beware of covetousness. The poison is mentioned. We've got that one word, the coveting heart. It flows out of verse 13, where there is one of the company here, so coming out of the wider company of verse number 1, there is one who comes, Master, speak unto my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. There's nothing like an inheritance to cause trouble in a family. Happened in those days, happens today. And the Lord says, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And the, the issue is not a lack of authority that Christ has. It is the reality that he has that that was not why he is sent to this world. He wasn't sent as an earthly judge. But he makes his judgment. He gives the pronouncement. And he says in verse 15, take heed. Warning to the church number three, a coveting heart. Which then leads into the famous parable. Verse 16, a parable Unto them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. The end of the parable is that the man who is guilty of storing up these goods and building greater barns is said, pronounced by Christ to be a fool. And therefore the connection is, you are to beware a coveting heart, because a coveting heart is a mark of a fool. Therefore beware of that. Don't be guilty of such folly in your soul. And what is the evidence of that folly in this man? Well, there is the importance of self. These are things that are often pointed out here in this parable. What shall I do? I have no room. This will I do. I will pull down barns. There will I bestow all my fruits. I will say to my soul. There is the repetition of the personal pronoun. You read it naturally and you see it's all I, 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 I. To the point you get in verse number 21. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself. A self-centered spirit is the mark of a folly, of the folly of a man who is guilty of coveting. There is also, of course, the second issue in this. There is the idolatry of stuff. Comfort and prosperity was what mattered to him. 
You'll know that Colossians chapter 3 and the verse number 5 says this. Colossians 3 verse 5. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Covetousness which is idolatry. And so when stuff dominates your heart and your affections, you're guilty of idolatry. Therefore Christ can really say you are a fool. 1 Timothy 6 gives a warning to those who have a love for riches, it says there, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It is not condemning the possession of riches in itself, but it is condemning the pursuit of riches for personal gain. It is a warning here. There is, back in this parable, Luke chapter 12, there is the idiotic view of security. Verse 19, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Clearly, he did not live in 2020. All manner of security. But it all crumbles in a few weeks. How quickly life can change. He also clearly had an iniquitous view of satisfaction. What matter for this man? Retirement and labor. Verse number 19. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. He valued retirement more than labor. There was an iniquitous view of what it is to be a creature made in the image of God. Made to labor for God's glory. So you have these marks of a coveting person. I think it's interesting that in the parable, you don't get the sense of a man who is seeking more and more and more. Rightly so, coveting and discontentment are paralleled and opposites in the Bible. But here you get someone at the end of that journey. You don't see him at the start. You see him at the end, and you see someone who's a false sense of security, a false sense of self, and all of his coveting has done such a damage in his soul that he's now a fool in the sight of God, and judgment falls upon him. Young Christians, in these United States of America, I urge you, please heed this warning. It is not wrong to pursue wealth. The Bible is clear that it is right for people to hold personal property. If that was not the case, there would be no sin of stealing. Your right to personal property is enshrined in the very law of God. You have the right to pursue wealth for the well-being of others and for the well-being of your own family. It is appropriate for a righteous man to leave inheritance for his children's children. The Bible does not condemn the accumulation of wealth. However, the way the American dream is sold to many of you is a way that is iniquitous. And it's encouraging you to find your security and your worthless, or your, 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 your sense of worth in your accumulation of wealth. And so you pursue wealth, you pursue wealth, sorry, 
that you have a place in society. And so in a Christian church, those who are poor feel they are looked down upon in many evangelical churches in the USA today. Now we can discuss this at leisure sometime and work through the ramifications of it, but I simply today, I just want to warn you, please beware, beware the danger of coveting. Take what God has given you. Take the gifts that God has given you. And do the very, very best with those gifts for his glory. But as you do the very best with those gifts for God's glory, make sure you're not doing it all for self. The antidote, again, that Christ gives is a right view of judgment. But God said unto him, Thy fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. It's another judgment day scene. The three warnings, the three poisons, the antidote in each is a reality check of judgment. The Lord is judge and has the right to require your very soul. And the issue here is not about this man's property, it's about his soul. And his soul must now give an account to God. I think of Asaph's psalm. How are they brought into desolation? Psalm 73. As in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one wakest. So, O Lord, when thou wakest, thou shalt despise their image. Here are the wealthy. Those who are prospering in the world. And Asaph goes to the sanctuary. He understands their end. What a thing it is for God to despise your image. Beware coveting. And so when you look at the structure of these verses, you see these warnings to the churches and the repetition of the solution, to my mind, leads us to some concluding applications. You have a poison and each particular poison is cured by a right view of judgment. So therefore there are some things that we should just stop and think about it for a minute, and then we're finished. First of all, there must be a right focus. Then there must be a right heart. And then there must be right thinking. A right focus? Well, the danger the church faces in all ages is a wrong focus in the midst of life's circumstances. The church in every age has the danger of judging actions in light of the temporal and not the eternal. That's the consistent pattern here. Hypocrisy. We want the favor of man now. Not the favor of God eternally. What's the issue of the fear of man? I want to live now, not live eternally. What's the issue of coveting? I want prosperity now, not eternal riches. And so it is a wrong focus on life that's all about the now. How do we shake time from your never dying soul. We're so possessed and preoccupied with time that we forget about eternity. And so Christ is, 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 is grabbing you by the core and shaking time out of your soul. That you would not focus on the now, but on the hereafter. And therefore you would fear hypocrisy and fear the fear of man and fear a coveting heart. A right focus. A right heart. 
You see, if we are properly to heed these warnings, I would say with Christ in John 3, you must be born again. You can't properly heed and follow these things without a new heart. Hypocrisy is obviously a heart issue. The fear of man. To flee that, you must have a heart that trusts the promises of God. You can perhaps, if I think on this Reformation Sunday, you can perhaps be like the martyrs. And you can be walking to the pyre and they have the torch ready to set alight the sticks at the bottom of the pyre and you're about to be attached to it and you're going to lose your soul. And you can look at that. And you could fear man at that point because all you can see is fire and pain and agony. But the right heart is a heart that trusts the promises of God. And like Ridley or Latimer or these other great saints of God, they went to the fire knowing that God could be trusted and they would not fear those who could kill the body. But they feared their God so that they would not be cast into hell. Your heart must trust the promise of God. And for that to happen, you must be born again. We see with our eyes, we see the fear of man. But the right actions require the work of God that we have a heart that fears God. The coveting heart loves life and money more than the Lord. How can you come to say, my Jesus, I love thee, I know thou art mine. You can't manufacture that in your soul. You can say it with your words, but you can't believe in your heart unless you're born again. Oh, may the Lord change some of your hearts today. That as you perceive the danger, may you cry unto God, have mercy upon my soul. Enable me to see these things, that I would have a right focus and a right heart in the sight of God. You work your way down through chapter 12 and the verse 34 it says, For where your treasure is there will your heart be also. It's a heart issue. And finally there is the need for right thinking. If I tell you today with all of my soul I tell you that God is a judge of all the earth and there comes a day when you will stand before that judge you can hear those words but are you thinking right in light of those words? Are you thinking of a God who is omniscient? Are you thinking of a God who does not trifle with sin? Who will take account even for that whispered word spoken in the closet? He will take account for that word said discreetly to your friend that you thought no one else could hear. This is a God who does not overlook any sin. He's not soft. He's a God of absolute holiness and justice. Will you be rich toward God? Is not what it says? Is not rich toward God? Verse number 21. Is your thinking of God as a judge that you'll be rich towards him? In other words, rich in his sight. That's the sense of the word. That as God sees you, he may see you in rags and in poverty. He may see that you have very little to eat day by day. He may see the poverty of this life. But you can say in your heart, I have Christ's riches and therefore I have everything. I don't need anything else. I know the Lord will care for me. He's told me I'm more valuable than the sparrows. 
But in my heart, I know that I have everything because I have Christ Jesus. He is the pearl of great price. Do you think that way when you think of God as judge? There's a lot to think about, isn't there? We'll come back round and we'll circle back over some of these things. In the meantime, I think all of us must confess we fall far short of God's glory. We're guilty of these sins. And so where must we flee? We must flee again to the cross. If any of you can leave this room today and say, I'm not guilty of any of this. I fear you're guilty of it all. Every child of God will confess that these poisonous things, they've taken them in. And therefore, we praise Christ for his work on our behalf. We flee to Calvary again. In the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanses us from all sins. And may, by his Spirit, we be enabled to heed the warnings the churches today. Let's bow together in prayer. Eternal God, we do thank you again for your word. We want, O Lord, to have a heart like thine. A clean heart, a pure heart. That would think right or believe your word. And that would see this world for what it is. May we seek first your kingdom. So give us grace as we pray, as we live, and as we share the word. Grant us grace, O Lord, each and every day. We thank you for the cross of Christ. Because when we think of our sins, we are overwhelmed. And yet you love this world. And you gave your only begotten Son. That all who believe in him would not perish. But have this tremendous blessing, this riches of life everlasting. Help us to believe. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.